Welcome to the podcast. It's dedicated to making you a faster cyclist. The Ask a Cycling Coach podcast presented by Trainer Road. I'm Coach Jonathan Lee, and here with me is Coach Chad Zimmerman. Hey, everybody. And our CEO, Nate Pearson. Hello. And this is where we answer your coaching and cycling and triathlon-related questions. You can submit them to us at trainerroad.com slash podcast or use the hashtag AskTrainerRoad. We pour through as many questions as we can, put them into a feed every week, and then we run through and answer them. So let's get started with Shannon's question. Shannon says, I have a Wahoo kicker and a Stages power meter. I only use the Stages outdoors. Is there a way I can import my power... Forgive me. Is there a way I can import my power that I put out on my outside rides onto Trainer Road? Example, if I race a crit and want to re-ride the race on Trainer Road at the same power that I put out throughout my race. Basically, mimic the entire race on Trainer Road. If not, is there a third-party app I can use to achieve this? Thanks. And then another one, oh, when will the training camps, or training camp plans be available? So let's start off with the first part, Nate. Yeah. Shannon, you have an <laughs> excellent product mind because this is definitely a product that we want to put into Trainer Road. Right now for our roadmap to tell everyone we're um, you know, focusing on getting Android and our Mac app out. And the next step in that is to be able to import outside rides into analytics. And out of that, um, you know, we're going to rebuild the workout creator on the website. And this is one of the things is I want to be able to take an outside ride create an interval workout based on that and then replay it. Especially if it's a race or something, I can practice a race uh, to be really specific. If I'm, you know, we just did a mountain bike race last night and it was very specific for the climbs. And if I knew there was going to be a championship on that race, I might practice something like that. You mm-hmm. could just make your own workout, but some people like to actually race the, you know, mimic the actual race that they did. And training camps, that too will come out after Mac and PC. Uh, Chad, you're working on it right now. I, how far along are you in training um, camps? For the four camps, I've probably 70% done. So they're they're all in a certain state of completion that won't take me too long to wrap up. So once I get the go-ahead that we're going to be able to actually implement them in a pretty timely manner, then I'll wrap up what's left of them. Hmm. I think everyone's really excited about training Those camps. Those are going to be cool. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to them. I think that it's going to solve. In fact, we'll actually have some questions coming up yeah, here. Yeah, there are a few that touch solve. on the benefits <laughs> or, or why these training camps are coming about. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to touch on, Nate, in the interim for Shannon and for other people that want to take an outdoor performance and then oh, yeah. upload it yeah. or That's, make it, yeah, you can do say. it. Yeah. It's kind of kludgy, but you can you can make it happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, best bike split. Uh, and essentially, you just use best bike split and upload your outdoor ride to that. And then you can download that file. You'll even see there's a little Trainer Road button, and you can download it, export it as Trainer Road file. And then you just drop simple drag and drop onto our workout creator, and it will cre- recreate what you did that day outside. Now, the one thing that you'll have to keep in mind, though, is Best Bike Split will optimize that workout. Yeah, it's for perfect pacing, right? So mm-hmm. if it's a crit or something, it will be way different than what you actually wrote it at. Yeah, so that's one thing. So... I think there are different plugins to take like an actual ride fly, ride file and make a .mrc file, which .mrc files are the ones that are read by our workout creator. I think there are different plugins that you can find. Uh, so Google that, see what you can find, and you may be able to recreate exactly what you did. Having said that, I'm never a big, especially if it's something like a Criterium, I'm not sure that's the best workout to be doing and fits perfectly replicating what you did outside. It's going to be pretty staccato and all over the place. So... Might yeah, be good. If we uh, we build a product, I, I imagine 
probably going to give secrets away to our competitors. There's no competitors. <laughs> we have no, no, not at our level. Uh, I'm just kidding. That's, it's like a sure way to shoot yourself in the yeah, foot, right? Yeah, I was right? just going like to say, yeah. Hubris, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like you yesterday at yesterday's race telling me that hopefully some people will show up to give me competition, and, and I'm then not they beat. did. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So w- I think if you were going to have that feature is you'd have some kind of smoothie in it to be like, OK, detect, create some artificial intervals based on this, because you're right on a crit. It's like two seconds on, two seconds off. You wouldn't want to put that into an actual workout. But if you could somehow smooth it where it goes, this was a 30 second hard section mm-hmm. and make that hard. But you, you're right in saying that, you know, we're so much focused on, OK, right now we're going to this VO2 max. And we're working on a VO2 max workout. Yeah, this is going to be all over the place in a race. Um mm-hmm. It really is going to depend on the race and the person and what your goals are. Chad, do you see any purpose of having that feature to be able to kind of r- just to be able to familiarize yourself with the sort of abuse you'll encounter on a specific course, which is mm-hmm. why there's like the, the Tour de Nay workout and the Nevada City workout. Those are just, you know, we, we know we're, we're doing the same lap 15, 30, 40 times, depending. And we know what that lap's going to be like. Going to hit it really hard for about 15 to 20 seconds and then going to go, you know, a little lighter on the gas for the next 20. I mean, you can replicate the lap and then just stack up as many laps as you want in terms of how long you want that workout to last. A lot of that's going to be, you know, it'll be basically the demands of the course, VO2 max, anaerobic, and then a whole lot of endurance riding and, and trying to recover at pretty, pretty high levels. But anyway, all I'm getting at is that you can recreate it just so you're, so it's not so much of a shock to the system when you actually race that course. I would be so mentally stressed, like thinking back to my power files on, on crits and stuff. Mm. I would be so mentally stressed trying to follow that profile later on. (laughs) It'd just be so hard. Um, And that's one thing that I always take confidence in, in criteriums or or something that's surgy has this crazy profile or actually really any race for that matter. Generally in my training, I've ridden at or near that intensity more consistently for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gives me confidence on race day because, and I know this guy surges at 450 or, you know, we're maintaining 450 Watts for a while in my training. I've probably held that for longer. Um, and so that's one thing that always, I love taking, like you said, Chad, the repeatability or the nature of the fact that you're going to have laps, but Mm -hmm. still maintaining an actual interval structure instead of just, randomized efforts. Yeah, because what you're really after is is this this stress on each energy system. So it's not like I need to be able to do this type of lap 15 times. It's more I need to be able to hit high percentages of my VO2 max, recover minimally, and then go anaerobic for 10 seconds and then do that over and over. And workouts that address each of those individually and then, you know, maybe mash them together will fit that same bill. And so I kind of struggle with that too is and that's kind of why we don't have it today is, is it really going to be the very best way to make people mm-hmm. faster? And or that's is our it, litmus it, test for people that don't know. That's like for everything that we do, mantra. it doesn't make people faster. Yeah. Yeah. We, we shoot each other down. Jonathan just did it like a couple of weeks ago. I was saying some feature and he's like, is that really gonna make people faster? I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's one of those, it's like, it's, it's one of the, those ones though, like riding outside course, you're like, Oh, Riding outside course. I need to be able to replicate riding outside course. Right. Right. But what happens is you just ride it like you did outside, mm-hmm. like you would outside, which isn't optimal training or, you know, right. you're not, you don't, it's kind of like riding without goals. The goal is to ride the course, mm-hmm. not to work on my anaerobic power. Well, yeah, and, yeah. And in the case Endurance. of like a criterion, if you're riding it smartly, you do a lot of time sitting in and following wheels and, totally. and trying to minimize how much work you're doing. But in mm-hmm. a workout, it's just the opposite. You're trying to maximize how much productive work you're doing. So the, it's 
really arguable, and I'd argue that it's not the best way to train to, yeah. to try to simulate a course. I like that other approach. So yesterday, how long was that long? That first climb that we did? I think that it was somewhere around eleven minutes. Eleven. So it was like eleven minute climb, and then you had probably another like four minute climb, and then yep. it was all downhill, and you did that three times. Yep, four so, times. Four times. Yeah, you were in a different category. Yeah, yeah, the three, yeah three times three. Yeah, yeah. So or, uh, one time for me because I <laughs> crashed five times. And we're going to get into that in a after bit. I fell down the hill on my back. I was like, this is done. Um, <laughs> what I see, what you could do is you could go in the workout creator and you could create an eleven minute interval with a two minute, probably like a two minute rest period, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. and then a four minute interval exactly. with a rest period. Have that happen four times. Mm-hmm. Maybe even practice that more than four times, depending on how much stress you want during the day. Mm-hmm. And that would probably be a better workout, especially if you could tweak your levels too to make sure that you're really pushing yourself. Yeah. Yep. Then following what you did on race day. Yeah. And a good way to do that is to figure out what your, if you've ridden that course, uh, you can figure out what your best power was up that course, see what that ranks compared to what you should be doing or you think you should be doing or want to do, and then base the intensity of the intervals around that too. And this is, once again, this is the type of thing that can give you confidence going into that race again, but it, you know, it may not be the best training, you know? Yeah. 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 But that confidence thing can be big too. No, like, it, and especially you know. if it's like you're, you're trying to peak for one race is the specificity mm-hmm. and knowing. So then when the race starts out and this is what I did bad. So this race did a lot of things bad, but this race again, <laughs> there was a long climb section. So you didn't really need to totally gun it. Mm-hmm. My average power up to the, I think it was like 290 up to the first till I fell on the first switchback. Uh, but before, before that, my normalized power on that was like 330. Yep. So I was just like, I, the the first few minutes, I was over 400 watts. And just I didn't need to be hard. under 400 watts right. or over, you know what I mean? Because it kept it, going for a while. Exactly. If I if I would have written, so the, the long climb, if I would the whole climb at like 305 or 310, I would have gone faster. a lot faster, yep. right? And and being able to do that repeated, repeatedly in training, I, mean, I could know that, okay, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to... You're not going to hold for. I should have known that, but you get so wrapped into it. I mean, oh, yeah. that's at all mountain bike races well, start out, right? Yep. And you kind of have, in many cases, the mountain bike racing, you have to sacrifice that. You have to go hard in the beginning because for positioning. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Get in the right position. And so. my, my class was so small hmm. that I didn't have to. I mean, I was in, there was one junior who was way ahead of everyone, and there was me and my buddy. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. We should go over your race prep strategy really quick, Nate. I want. I want to put you. I want to put you on blast. I want to put you on blast. It was okay. <laughs> so this. So we all know on on the podcast that my limiter on mountain bike racing is bike handling and downhill skills. Fitness, as of right now, is not my limiter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to the pump track last week. Really fun. I got a little bit better. I went again yesterday. I went before the race, knowing that it would hurt like my. I wasn't going to race as fast on the uphills, but but I'm I'm thinking long term here is that mm. <clears throat> I need to be able to uh, go downhill fast. Yeah. So I did the pump track, and it was it was really hot in Reno. It's like 95 up in Truckee, the Tahoe area. Yeah, and I was outside. I was and that's kind of a seven, that's up. like seven thousand feet roughly. So yeah. you can, that's really hot. Yeah. Yeah. So the the other thing that I did that was bad is. Uh, I changed my front tire from a uh, Ardent, a Max, uh, Maxxis Ardent, to a um, uh, Minion DHF, yeah. and it was really sticky. And I believe that's 
the main reason why I, cr- I actually crashed on the uphills, which I've never crashed on the uphills. Suddenly, your back tire feels like it doesn't have that great attraction once yeah. your front tire has such good traction. It yeah, makes exactly. It so my, my yeah. back tire right now that I have on is a... Icon. Yeah, it's an Icon. So an Icon has like little teeny nubs. So it's kind of like a faster rolling tire. And then my Minion is like a downhill tire. So I've, I have not... You know, a lot of traction up front and a little traction in the back for rolling resistance. It's like a reverse mullet. You're like all party up front and business in the back. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, going up up the hill, it, it felt weird. I'd have my, like on the first switchback where I fell, my back tire actually washed out. Mm. And that was very annoying. And it was so, so steep right there that you couldn't start. So I'd like run my bike up. Another one, I, I fell down a hill. I had, I had my, um, I wear a pox spine protector slash... Uh, like water bag or yeah, camel back, back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, backpack. Mm-hmm. And I landed on that and I was so happy for that because <laughs> I was like, my feet were above my head and I was, cause it was a steep hill and I was like, this does not hurt at all. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah. still have my, um, my thighs are pretty scraped up, but other than that, so I, I went tired. through, and then I, the tires you know, I was too. tired and after all those crashes going uphill, it wasn't even down and then downhill I had a crash and I was just like, and this course was, uh, and I was, I feel discouraged. It was, it was very dusty and, uh, very Loose. slippery and it was a hard downhill. These, <laughs> these are actual, like people are probably listening to this who live not in mountainous areas and they're like, mate, such a wuss. But these are downhill courses that so, we're doing. Like, yeah, this, these are real, this course yesterday was courses. one that you would see. Like if you saw this course on Red Bull TV, when you're watching the world cup cross country course, this would fit right in. Hmm. That was exactly like the descents were just as technical, if not more. Um, than what you see on a lot of the courses, like more technical than something like Nova Mesto for sure. That that's a, a world champs that just happened. So, um, they're they're tough courses. Yeah, the the other yeah they're hard. I can't wait to kind of uh, the, these North Star races have been way above my level for downhill. Actually, the first race was easy. I, I need to go back to some easier races, and this probably goes good for anyone is do some easier technical stuff and build up gradually than just jump in mm-hmm. it's kind of like in skiing like i'm going double black diamonds and i don't know what i'm doing yeah and i fall and i get discouraged yeah i need to start slower that's why i went to the yeah. pump track it's that yeah. that is helping and i'm kind of getting my body position better but anyways the, yeah, the moral of the story is i still think i would do it again just because i am working on my technical skills it'd be ideal if you could have done the pump track on a different day though or yeah, my only gone to the pump track for an hour as opposed to three. I wasn't see? there for three. Okay. I was, I don't know how long I was there, but I was definitely outside the whole time. There wasn't a good mm-hmm. spot with AC. Mm-hmm. So by the time the race came, I was dehydrated so and really hot up too. Yeah. yeah. And there's, we, we talk all often about the psychological component, but there's also a neural or a neuromuscular component too that, that wanes over the course of, um, you know, as the fatigue sets mm-hmm. in, you, you're a little less sharp. You don't process as quickly. You don't react as quickly. So you'll suffer too. And on a technical course, that's, that's, that's arguably worse than just being a little tired. Yes. Yeah, small tired. little lack or small little kind of voids of focus mm-hmm. in those key moments oh, that, yeah. like you said, uphill switchback, something that you've done plenty of times before. But you're just, just worn like down enough second that it, it shaves it off, right? <laughs> and that's the thing when your tire is so, and 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 you're yeah. fixing that by the way by putting the Maxxis Arden on the back. It's got a little more meat. Yeah, so I'm going to start um, trying to practice with more grippier tires to get mm-hmm. my I'll go a little slower, but it's okay. Gets the confidence up. It's yeah. a really good idea. Mm-hmm. But your tire, you know, it breaks loose in a section that isn't crazy technical. You've done it before, but. All of those things combined with the fact that you're just a little less sharp, and it yeah. takes away your. I've done that switchback probably 15, 20 times. Yeah, never had a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, so this is a good example too of what a C race is. 
So a C race, we've talked about A, B, and C, where C is, I don't, this is like a training race. It's not something I'm tapering for. Mm-hmm. Um, if this were my A race and I wanted to peak for like this race series, what I did, I would consider very, very stupid. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, even a B race, really. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like something that I cared about. Like, right. C races C are, race, all, are for this. It's all about maximizing training benefit. Yeah. So, which I argue you probably could have done a little better. I think. What, what, so, what would you would have done if, like, I not moving? I wouldn't have spent more than an hour at the pump track tops. Okay. And then I would have made sure that prior to the race start, I rehydrated and got some time in a cool environment. Yeah, I just didn't have the cool environment because there was no AC areas. No, but right. I did. I bought a lot of bottles of water. Yeah. <laughs> I actually yeah. drank like three liters or more. Sheesh. Yeah. A lot. That's a lot. But it was just lot. really hot. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Let's move on to uh, Jason's question. He says, hey, guys, has anyone ever or has have any of you ever tried RyanLeach.com online mountain bike coaching? What a great question. (laughs) Can you recommend it? (laughs) So I just uh, Ryan Leach, who is you want to describe Ryan Leach? Yeah, he's um, so if any of you have been to any type of big expo or anything else, you may have seen him doing demos for Norco bikes. He does trials demos. And they make they would make you know. Well, so what are trials for those who aren't? Yeah, trials bikers? is essentially like balancing, and and you 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 bounce around on one wheel like Danny McCaskill. If you've seen his videos, he does trials riding. It's all about balancing and hopping from one obstacle to the next or jumping. But it's very much um, it's almost like acrobatics and like parkour yeah. on a bike. You know. Yeah. So those those videos you see where the guys go through the towns and they're like jumping yeah. by. That's like trial rider stuff, right? Yep. Yeah, and so what they do, he does is he sets up these demos, and they make your heart stop every time. And he's got, like, 10 feet high or higher, and he's got, like, small bars that are as wide as his tires, and he's bouncing on his back wheel laterally. You know, we're talking, like, three feet from one to the next, stepping down or up. It's amazing stuff, but he's very good. And then what he's done now, like, recently, I think he's done this for years, but he's really put a big push behind it. He's kind of productized a lot of his instruction that he gives, and he has, like, courses that you can purchase and follow. And I know you were looking into it, right, Nate? Yeah, so Ryan Leach, it's a website, and you can do a subscription or you can buy it. Uh, I bought three of his courses. There's one on bunny hops, one on manuals, and one on balancing. Mm-hmm. I'm um, a little bit through the, the bunny hop manual one. The, the first eight, cor- like, parts of it are the same because the beginning of a bunny hop is a manual. And I think it's actually really good. The So there'll be... Mm-hmm maybe a 32 step course in each course. He has a different video and they're very small things. Like I want you to just practice this one thing. And the, the kind of the coolest part of it is there's a comment section below and you can ask Ryan a comment or post a video and he'll respond. And he responds in like the same day. That's awesome. And he is like the happiest dude. He just he looks is. like it's crazy too. When he's doing those trials demos, he has a mic on and he's doing these crazy, terrifying things, and he just sounds so happy. Yeah. He sounds like he's taking your order at a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like he's just uh, happy and bubbly. It's amazing. So yeah. I this I don't know if this would be good for cyclocross racers, non-bike racers, I think just so. for bike yeah, handling that relies on balance. Yeah. And because yeah. I think if you can manual bunny hop and oh I a wheelie. I mm-hmm. think I have a wheelie course from him too. But I'm, I'm trying to, if I can do all those things, I should be able to mountain bike better because I can handle my bike better. You'll and even be able to ride roads better yeah, and everything, everything else. Everything. You yeah. get so that, much that carries more over so nicely. I started as a mountain biker and the, just the slow speed stuff where you really have to navigate 
technical stuff, but you're doing it incredibly slowly, carried over to road riding in yeah. a really surprising way, really effective. Yeah, you can carry, you just have more confidence. Mm-hmm. It, your relationship with your bike is so much more built up and, and comfortable. So when things are happening, even at speed, like like Chad said, in the slow speed stuff, it's invaluable. And then even at speed, you're just more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, yeah. So uh, anyways, long story it. short, I recommend it. And I don't, we don't get any money from him. Yeah. Maybe we can get enough people to his site that he'll give me some lessons next uh, in bike or something. <laughs> that'd be awesome. We should have him on the podcast. He, he will sometime. give me lessons. I can just, yeah, that'd be great. We should. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's yeah. a, he's a good teacher too. He's very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would recommend, and there are a lot of people that like try to sell instructional stuff and the stuff I've seen from him is fantastic. It's the best. It I've looks seen. beautiful too. So, when, yeah. you, when you watch him, I uh, yep. can just watch him bunny hop good over stuff all day value, long. Everything. Yeah. It's cool. So yeah, I, I would recommend it. I think, I don't, I don't really know, but I think we're all in favor. So Nigel, he says, dear trainer road team, awesome job with the podcast. Five stars. I look forward to the new show every week. Two questions uh, relating to my training and progress with trainer road. He says, I'm a Seattle based 46 year old, uh, cyclist, six, one, 170 pounds, cat three seat or cyclocross rider using a Wahoo kicker. Um, I took good bi- good, base, good base fitness into January 2016 after beginning your structured training plans with more focus on, in December. I started with the cyclocross plan out of interest more than anything, but with mountain bike season coming up, I completed your mountain bike Olympic low-volume training plan. As I listened, so this guy is assuming that he has like a lot of base, so he just went straight into a specialty plan. I might have changed the way that he did that, but he says, as I listened more to your podcast and with an ambition to complete or to compete in a 60-mile, um, yeah, mile, not meter, 60-mile, 9,000-foot uh, mountain bike race in eastern Washington, I moved on to your mid-volume sustained power build plan. Definitely feeling stronger on those long threshold intervals. Yeah, that'll, that'll do it. That's It's a painful plan, but it works. I have a couple more 50- to 60-mile races in July and August before cyclocross season starts here on September 11th, and I'm wondering what plan will complement that and also ramp up to cyclocross nicely. My original plan was to go for a cyclocross mid-volume plan that would end right about the time cyclocross season starts. Seems perfect, but I'm now wondering if, given that I still have some long-distance races to focus on and sustained power seems to be one of my weaknesses even in cyclocross, and he references not blowing up after hard efforts, which we'll get to in a bit, I might be better off with a plan that blends a bit of sustained power with some cyclocross-type intervals. I was thinking short power build or marathon mountain bike, then move into the cyclocross plan in parallel to the actual race season. So, uh, sorry if that's a long one, but I think that we can pull a lot of stuff that's going to apply to a lot of people out of this. So, he says... Yeah, go ahead, Chad. Well, first off... You actually go ahead and finish the question. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. He says, if I had to prioritize, I'd put cyclocross performance as my ultimate focus. Do you have any advice on which plan will best set me up for the start of my cross season? Many thanks. Stay awesome. So, Nigel, you've kind of laid out the two approaches that you can take. Whereas you can, um, if you want to wrap up your specialty training, in this, cro- in this case, your cyclocross specialty plan at the start of the season, and then you would just kind of maintain race fitness for a while. Um, that's one way to do it. That's not the way I would go about it because it kind of front loads your season. You're carrying your highest fitness into your earliest races. Maybe that's something that's important because with cross races, you get call-ups. You, know, you get those high placings. You get better placings as the season rolls on. That could work in your benefit. If that's not a concern, though, I would start that cross plan to time out such that your most, most important event comes during week seven and eight when you're, you're tapering and your fitness 
is going to start to rise up to its highest point and your, your fatigue drops, you know, ideally. So in that case, you just count back from that important event and make sure that you uh, schedule things accordingly. Um, if you're going to go the other route and the, the, I don't want to steer you toward a specific plan, but if you're looking for hard efforts followed by more sustained efforts, the uh, mountain bike marathon plan is that. And so if you just want to target something in your case, you know, a weakness or a limiter, um, that's a, that's a great way to do it. And, and you can just weave it into an existing plan. So if you follow that cross plan, just pull out one of the workouts that's not as specific to what you need to work on, slot in one of those other workouts and, and, and just move forward. One, one thing that you mentioned there was front loading the season. I feel like almost everybody front loads a season. Like here it's the, just con it's it's you can count it it's going to happen every year mm. everyone shows up at the first road races of the year and they are solid they're strong and then give them a month or two and they're on their downwards because they stopped using training road <laughs> yeah exactly. usually yeah they yep. stop their structured training very true um and a lot of people also they they peak at the beginning and then mm-hmm. they the other what happens at a peak you can't stay there the whole time it starts to go down again yeah so if you're if you're you going to do that there's nothing wrong with front loading a season if it's purposeful in the case mm-hmm. of getting good call up positions right so so do that but just know that somewhere over the course of you know your 2 or 3 month cross season you're going to have to have a downturn you could back things off for a while and then ramp back ramp back up for the most important events mm-hmm. but you're not going to be able to carry that peak fitness for 8 10 12 weeks the other thing that i wanted to touch on too is he mentioned the fact that uh, he says that he struggles with sustained power and he referenced not blowing up after hard efforts. I wouldn't really call that sustained power. That's kind of a different thing when you're talking about going super hard, like going way up and then recovering around threshold. That's not this type of sustained power that, you know, for example, a triathlete that's doing a long course event, they have sustained yeah. power, right? So it, it's kind of a different thing. We're talking about your body's ability to process excess and shuttle and remove excess lactate, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still sustained power, though. You just, you're trying to raise the, the level of what you can sustain after a hard effort like that, which is basically, you know, boosting your aerobic capacity and, and your muscle endurance. Mm-hmm. So and usually that's kind of best done through the context of those over-unders or anything else in, for a cyclocross race? Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, and then we start to, you know, as your season starts to shape up and gets closer to your important events and you start to make it really specific, then you start to, you know, maybe you shift away from basic over-unders where you're just a little over threshold to these really hard starts where you're way over threshold. But having done the over-unders, you know that is if you back it off to this point, eventually you're going to clear and you're going to be able to to hang in there. So it's it really it's still over-unders. You're you're just going well over and then recovering. So I don't think has, have any of us raced cyclocross before. I have not. I have, yeah. On a mountain bike. On a mountain bike, it was a hardtail. It weighed like we, 19. We pounds. all are. We're just talking about for the podcast. I think we're going to do it this uh, this fall. But yeah, could it be too? I'm I'm not sure how you pace a cyclocross race, but it seems like I'm, I'm thinking about like the term burning matches where you only have mm-hmm. in a race, you only have so many matches to burn. I mean, you can only go so hard so many times. Then after that, you can't go, you can't do it again. And you can focus on training and, and be able to burn more matches. But in a cyclocross race, do you really want to burn matches or is it just pretty much hard the entire time with little like you simply have five to burn, ten seconds yeah that's you simply it, have to burn matches you have to you don't have a choice i mean yep. the, the hard efforts have to come it's just like a mountain bike race the but they're not idea. they're not i wouldn't even consider them burning matches it's not like you're trying to cover a break it's you're just going hard the are, whole though. time no that, well, i mean it depends on how are. competitively you're racing it if yeah. you're with the front group of riders and and the, the guy 
if someone attacks, you cover it just like you would in a criterium or a road race. You have okay. to bury yourself. And they get tend back to on. have really steep sections too, because a lot of yes. them are at parks and things like that. So that steep section, that's a match. Like you, if you slow down, it's just going to be extremely painful and slow instead of extremely painful and fast. Yeah, right? and, and even a guy who's you know has no really is just out there to finish, and he just slides off the back is just going to get through this and wants to ride it as steadily as possible. Still isn't going to be able to do it terribly steadily. There's going to yeah, be sections like possible. those really well, steep run-ups. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not arguing that it's steady. I'm just saying it's not like uh, I'm not going to get a it doesn't a, a one minute power PR yeah. on. On, on that race. You don't have right? to race like it I would like in a crit or maybe in a road race, right? And I would yeah. consider that a match. Yeah, there's more interruptions with cyclocross, so you're going to have shorter efforts most likely. In most cases, cyclocross courses do vary quite a lot, right? Yeah. But they're usually going to be shorter efforts, but they are going to be extremely hard. So, I mean, cyclocross is synonymous with many things, and one of them is, you know, puking your guts out because the efforts are so yeah. hard and constantly uh, I'd expect to get my, like, a max one-hour normalized power. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, maybe even average power, too. It would be like, I would equate it to something like a hilly crit where you, where you yep. have these short, punchy yep. climbs that you have to keep repeating every lap, mm-hmm. and it pushes you to a really uncomfortable spot. And, a, and on a day when it's surgy, too. And amps your normalized power way, way above average. Yeah. I would, I would think, well, see, I don't know, right? Because <laughs> I've never raced cyclocross, yeah. but in my mind, it seems like it's gonna be. I'd have a little. The difference between my average power and normalized power would be more on a hilly crit than in a cyclocross race because of know. the drafting mm-hmm. and stuff uh, on the similar on the course flats. profiles. Yeah, I don't. The, the, yeah. just because of. So because you coast quite a lot on on a cross course because you're going through technical but not as sections. much as not as much as when you're on pavement in a group. I don't know. If you're one by one on grass, and you got to pedal more. It depends. It's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> now I think you see higher speeds in a criterium, and you have to pedal. I mean, you, yeah. you roll along in a criterium in the high twenties, whereas you roll along on grass in a smaller group. And in, in you know, a surging crit, there's not a whole lot of rolling along when it's surging. Yeah, you know, you're you you might have a slight bit of coast, but that's just until yeah, you I think. Go yeah, and this is all speculative, right? So. We're theorizing based on what we've seen, what I've Let's studied, and all that. So now we're gonna <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. We're going to put our uh, legs where our mouths are. The, and the, two, going back to it, this is another way that I think that I can improve my bike handling skills for mountain biking and my mountain biking skills. Yes. The, 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 oh, yeah. the two that I have out of <laughs> 1,000 <laughs> just should carry over. And from racing cycle, or uh, cross-country mountain bike races, yes. I mean, there's a lot of similarity between XC mountain bike and, and cyclocross. So yes. I can attest to the fact that when it's hard, it's hard the whole time. Yeah. And it's in, in matches, whether you want to burn them or not, you're going to burn you're them. You're going to burn them. Even when you run out, you're still going to be burning. And I'm doing air quotes, matches. You're just going to be completely uh, shelled. So it's going to be fun. The, the only cross race I've done, all the guys kept saying, well, this is more like a mountain bike cross race anyway. And that's what they Why, were. Did you win? I, uh, <laughs> no, I think I, I won my division, but I got second overall. And so they were like, they were really kind of playing that card hard. But you know what's surprising? It didn't have a whole lot of or long sections that you had to run or anything. It did have one uphill that was just too steep and rocky and loose. And then it had a section of barriers that it was faster to get off and run them. And I didn't think that that would mess me up as much as I did because I'm a I consider myself a decent runner and I spend a, a, a decent a fair enough amount of time running. That worked me, and it wasn't the actual running. It was the using, going from really intense riding your bike mm-hmm. to having to carry your bike and jump over things, and it's just like a totally, it's like a shift on your body to a totally different form of moving 
and then back onto the bike. Yeah. It really it took a bigger toll. My triathlete skills will make it so that part isn't a limiter. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I, I don't. Know that the, I don't think those skills are going to carry very much. <laughs> but just a limiter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not not right. that it's going to make me like we talked about this before. Not that it's going to make me like win the race, but just that I won't. Yeah. I'm curious to like, see that. It won't be quite as unfamiliar for you as it might be for a non-triathlete. Yeah. Yeah. But I think running off the bike in a triathlon as opposed to hopping off your bike and carrying it over a barrier, then remounting and doing that many times, I think the similarity is slim. Yeah. What if we find that there's this crossover there and then we just start this mass crossover thing happening? Uh, people have already know. They would know if there was, right? Uh, You'd I see triathletes. We're going to be the ones who, who would win the, the cyclocross I think, championship. It, yeah, happen. I know. I know. It'd just be awesome. That's all. Seeing a bunch of triathletes racing cyclocross would be awesome <laughs> for many reasons. <laughs> Lots of crashes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go into, uh, let's see. Uh, Fonny's question. He says, and I, I pronounced your, your name correctly this time. Because I he think. spelled it phonetically for us. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so you say, I love playing PlayStation while on the trainer. It's my only game time and distracts me completely. I don't know if being distracted completely from the effort is good, but then we'll, again, we'll maybe steady state that. stuff. We'll talk about that. I did notice, however, that while playing Dark Souls, I don't know what that is, but I, while playing Dark Souls, my power matched the intervals closely. Call of Duty, it did vary a bit more. <laughs> that probably makes sense, right? <laughs> um, my Tax Neo does adjust the power, so the average of the interval is spot on. Does it matter um, or does it vary for different type of intervals on how closely I should try to match it? Should I put Call of Duty away? Thank you for the great advice, as always. This is going to be interesting because I, yeah, I think I, you two are going to have very different. I, I don't. I don't know that we will. Um, I, I just think that distractions, and and that's what they are, like PlayStation and movies. So in my case, I have a hard time sitting down and watching a movie. But if I get on a bike, I can watch. I can well as long as I can last on the bike. It's typically about two hours on a trainer. Um, so I, I just reserve my low intensity stuff for that time because it doesn't require a whole lot of focus. I can stay close to where I need to be and <clears throat> the workout isn't, doesn't degrade as a, as a consequence of this distraction. When you get to the harder stuff though, I, I don't know how you could possibly do it. I don't, I don't know how oh. you could keep your mind on two very, um, psych, uh, mentally demanding tasks at the same time and derive any benefit from either. Really, I'd be missing half the movie or, or my workout would just kind of suck. So um, <clears throat> it does matter. It absolutely matters. And the type of intervals, it matters a little bit more. So if you're doing, and these are always ranges, right? You know, if it's a 75% interval and you're riding it at 72 and then you're up to 78 and, and whatnot, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about it's supposed to be 70%, but you're so charged playing Call of Duty that you're riding it at 85%. It's a different workout, different consequences or different uh, uh, adaptations, different different stresses on the body and it's going to change the workout. So just be aware if, if that's what you're going to do, then you're not exactly following the plans as they're designed. Yeah. So I've done this, um, yeah, on my TT bike. You yeah. told me that before. Yeah. Cause the arrow bars put I've you in a position it. to hold the controller. Right? Yeah. 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 So when I was <laughs> doing the half Ironman or Ironman training where I really have a long workout, I'll kind of switch between uh, TV and a video game. And I can totally do it on the low stuff. I can yeah. never do it on anything intense. I don't know how anybody could, honestly. Yeah. Dark Souls is a pretty hard game, so maybe it's like something's <laughs> together. But I, I think the purpose of so your purpose is going to be to play video games and beat the level or to be a faster athlete. And if it's to be a faster athlete, I wouldn't do anything to limit that workout. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe stick with Dark Souls because you said Dark Souls, your power matches your intervals closely. If you can do that or maybe even sweet spot stuff, you could like I could probably handle sweet spot. The, with um, something like the Tax or the Wahoo Kicker where you're in erg mode where it locks you in and you just have to keep your cane steady. It's kind of like playing the drums. 
your hands are doing one thing, and as long as you keep that right tempo with your feet, doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You don't. You're gonna get locked in. So I, that's that's my opinion. <laughs> but if you're if you're missing it, then what's the point? Like yeah, and I gotta say, just that play video games. When I do, right. If you're looking to log long time on the bike, these distractions are are not a big deal. But if you're looking for quality workouts, obviously they're a very big deal. Anymore, I. I only get on the bike or basically I use these basement movie times to get myself on the bike. So I probably don't even have a workout planned, but I had ice cream or I just feel like I should do something (laughs) today because I'll tell you, I get downright depressed when I don't work out. So I use the movie as an incentive to get me on the bike. I figure I'll try it for a half hour. If I'm feeling terrible, I'll call it. But then I get on the bike, start feeling okay. I'm into the movie. Before you know it, I've got an hour and a half of aerobic endurance that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten. I say movies and TV shows that I want to watch. I'm like, oh, yeah, like Game of Thrones. Incentives. Watch that only on the trainer. Absolutely. Yeah, incentive. Like, yeah. yeah, I would assume, Fonny, that your kill-death ratio on Call of Duty is pretty bad when you're playing Call of Duty or when you're training compared to when you're not training and just focusing on the game. So... I personally like to separate those things. And if I'm like for a movie for me, and this is, uh, this is different than you guys. I I can't enjoy a movie. I can't enjoy any of that stuff. I can put on music and that's it. But when I'm training, I have to be focused even on an erg trainer on what I'm doing, but that's just, it's totally a personal thing. Yeah. This is a pretty recent development for me. So it's for a long time. It was music and focus. And all that stuff being said though, Fonny, if you can, if you can hit your like all your intervals and play a game at the same time, <laughs> Go you've got it. a made, right? Yeah. And like, you need to approach Red Bull or something because they have gaming competitions live and you could somehow yeah. combine gaming and sports and no, they would love it, but, I bet. But I mean so. <laughs> so we talk about so we've so Trainer Road has like the fitness aspect of it. I think we have it pretty dialed. And then you use whatever entertainment you want and some people. It's the kind of like Jonathan just said, he can do music and I can do movies and TVs, and Chad's getting there with movies and TVs, but I think there's a lot of people in that middle ground that can handle movies and TV. And mm-hmm. now, Fonny's at like the the next level. Where he <laughs> yeah, can you like, are. You've leveled advanced. up, Fonny. Yeah, That's and I, I really think it's like playing the drums, right? Or right. you try to like have your feet and your hands do different stuff. I, I'm genuinely exhausted thinking of because I, I I've played Call of Duty and like afterward I'm mentally exhausted because yeah. like you have to yeah. focus so much. So knowing I've done that you Call can, of Duty on endurance and it, it's okay knowing that you can do that kudos to you guys I, so it's I, probably that that whole we, we defined you know where does hit begin last week we, we pegged it at threshold below threshold uh-huh. I, I think that kind of transfers here if you're working below threshold you can probably do something that's mildly distractive or distracting whereas you're above it I mean I'm hard pressed to imagine anybody doing a true VO2 max interval while doing anything else yeah it's tough yeah even like like simple math yeah yeah like anything else but six breathing plus maybe five what yeah after <laughs> last night's race i didn't know if i should ask for water ask for anything i didn't know how to ask for anything it was yeah. i was so deep it was you, bad so i i got to because i didn't finish i saw john go to the laps first lap he like said something to me second lap i like yelled something about his son or something and there was no, he didn't even look at me. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking down and went by. It got dark that last lap. It was rough. Um, so That's because the, 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 that other guy in the second lap was like four seconds ahead of you. Yes. You did not like that. You cooked in. Yeah, the, pissed me off. The, on the, um, this, we probably talked too much about this, but it's fun to, <laughs> fun to talk about for me. So you guys can all, let's talk about what music we're all in Nate's Mercy anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, so you go down a, like a steep downhill section and there's a jump and then there's a, a turn into a Red Bull like little, pillar thing and uh jonathan when he goes down there he is so much louder than everybody else and i think that's because you're going so much faster yeah and it's crazy like everyone looks over like oh whoa there's somebody coming 
Yeah. Uh, and you just cook into it hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's digging. Every sec- every foot of the course is a foot where you can gain an advantage or lose an advantage, right? If you think of it that way, it stresses you out, but it's a good way to make sure that you don't That's, that's kind of good. So, yep. Uh, Ian, he says, review 10 stars. 10 stars. Ooh, finally. Yeah. He says five for the five for first one. <laughs> five for the podcast and five for the product. So it says background, I am a longtime user of Trainer Road in England, and it really helped me get back to a good level of fitness after a cycling accident where I broke both oh, collarbones. Oh my goodness. I can't oh, and ribs. Oh. And a few ribs oh. and my hip. Can you imagine sleeping? I, that's what I was just thinking. Like, and his hip. And There's his no hip. Sleeping. Oh. sleeping situation with one collarbone. How's your pain is addiction? Terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that. Like hydrocodone. Oh wow. Oh my goodness, Ian. Oh, I'm glad to know that we helped you come back from that. That's 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 a terrible accident. You say I love the power the power feedback it gives me, although I don't compete except with myself. The question I was just wondering what would be the most important stretch each of you do after a trainer workout, hmm. and this is probably. A, specifically applicable to him after having such a traumatic injury, right? I was just wondering, uh, or sorry, I appreciate there are probably lots, but if you only had time for one, what would it be? And if each of you answer, then that might be three different stretches to do. Thanks again for a great podcast. That's easy for me, Ian. Um, mine's a, a quad stretch, just, you know, where you stand, you kind of grab your foot and you bring it behind you with a really bent knee and just kind of lengthen your quad. Um, but the beauty of that stretch is it catches a lot of other muscles that are bound while you're in a cycling position. What's even cooler is you can do that stretch on the bike. So you can do it on the floor, you can do it standing, or if you're particularly coordinated or on a trainer, you can just sling your foot over your saddle and kind of simulate the same stretch. But more than just the quads, it stretches your hip flexors and also lets your low back go a little bit because those hip flexors tie into your lumbar spine. So it may just look like a quad stretch, which is an obvious muscle to stretch anyway, Mm -hmm. but the fact that it releases your hip flexors and your low back is the the real purpose behind that one. I'll go next. Uh, I don't do any. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I've never heard you complain of anything like that, like tightness or anything like that. I'm, 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 I'm inflexible. So it's too yeah. tight. <laughs> no. I'm inflexible, but I never like feel like flexibility is my limiter. That's awesome. Um, I don't ever pull muscles. Yeah, I, I'm the opposite. I and, and I almost wonder, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this, Chad, but it being hereditary with tightness, tendonitis, or anything else like that. But yeah, I, I my say. mother... I've I've talked to her recently about this, and she has really struggled with the same thing, um, with just a huge amount of tendonitis and everything else. So I feel you, Ian. I would I'm going to modify Chad's stretch just slightly, and then give my the one that I like to do. Um, so the the quad stretch, I like to lay down on my side and stretch my quad, and then I'll bring. So I lay down on my side. One leg is up, one leg is down. Right. I'll stretch my up leg. And then I'll take the heel from my down leg, the one that's on the floor, and I'll just press that just above my kneecap, and I'll just lightly press back to get an even further stretch. And that also does a good job of stretching the lateral portion of your quads, too, instead of just straight across yeah, the Yeah, so he's just just uh, kind of intensifying the yep. stretch I described. And you can do that same thing by just firming up your glute, so your butt cheek. So you're, you're stretching, say, your left quad. If you fire your left glute, you'll, you'll feel that stretch increase mm-hmm. as well. And if you notice that the lateral quads get a little more tight, then you can move that heel that's pressing into the top of your quad just to the outside of your knee a bit and press down when you're doing it, and it mm-hmm. can give a, an extra stretch there. So that's cool. a modified quad stretch, but I like doing the inchworm, I call it, and I don't know, maybe you have better words for it, but basically what I do is it's just a standing hamstring stretch, so you just hands to the ground or as close as you can get to that. 
And then from there, what I do is I walk out and I just do five second counts at each when each arm moves. It's kind of into a yoga downward dog. Yep. And yeah. then after that, then I walk my hand, my feet right. Once I get it stretched out so that I'm pretty much flat, I walk my feet back up to my hands. And if you ever feel like you get frustrated with not being able to touch your toes or do anything else like that. After doing this for like a week, I went from just barely being able to get my toes to touch my shoes on a good day, and now I'm fully flat hands where I can grab around the back of my ankles and fold my torso down towards my towards my shins. And what that has done for me on the bike is it helps release, it lengthens everything in the back and the posterior chain, which definitely helps a lot. Try to balance out everything from being tight front to back can be tough for me. So, so I'm thinking about what you're talking about. I do have one thing that I do. Uh, IT band release, mm-hmm. and because I've had major IT band problems, especially when I was a triathlete and a runner, and I think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually can feel it, my IT band tighten up while I'm after a really hard workout if I'm like sitting in my car. Yeah. So IT band, for those who don't know, it's on the outside of your leg, outside of your quads. It's kind of halfway between your quads and your hamstrings, and it's the actual muscle part is this little teeny like couple inch long muscle in your hip. And then there's a huge tendon down the side of your leg, and that tendon can get inflamed. It's more like a fascia. Yeah, it's yep. yeah. a big band of big band. structural connective, almost more 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 uh, fascial than than muscular. Okay, yeah, shows what I know. Yep. Anyways, when you get pain, you the pain usually usually comes um, at the knee or at the hip. And the reason for that at the knee too is once again there's like a little section where it's less fascial and it's more of that muscle yeah. stuff actually, right there by your knee too. And it connects all the way to your low leg bones, your yep. tibia. So it actually rolls across, I think it's the femoral condyle. Yeah. So either way it rolls across your knee, a little yeah. bump in your I knee. I felt it um click. Yeah, oh, yeah. Over my knee. Yeah, that's bad that's, news. You know, it's really tight. And honestly, if you watch even Grand Tour riders and I was I was remarking um, to Amaret the other day, so many of them as they as they're um, approaching the upstroke, their knee flails out, and then it's they drive down. Then it flails out, and they drive down. Flails out. Lack of stability. That's, that's IT. It is lack of stability too. But there's also mm-hmm. what's pulling it outwards. I mean, it could be weak inner thighs, but more likely they have too tight IT bands. So yeah. solid stretch. So what I do is I don't actually stretch it ever. I felt I found that especially if it's injured, rolling it or stretching it makes it more injured and does not help. Because it's inflammation in most cases, the injury there, right? So yeah. then if you're just going to be rolling yeah, It's like thing, you have a bruise and you want to like, bad. you're like, I'm going to rub this bruise yeah. out. It doesn't <laughs> work. No. Yeah. Um, so what I do, and I taught a uh, uh, sports masseuse taught me this and it's changed my sporting career. Okay, if you um, kind of like sit in a chair and you have both legs straight in front of you, legs out. Now the, the, the leg that is injured, I'm going to use the right leg. I'm going to, or even before it's injured, I'm going to put it out to the right as far as I can, but keep my hips pointing forward. So what this is going to do is you want to shorten that band, your IT band, and take all of the tension, the tension off of it that you can. And then I'm going to take both my hands, put my fingers together, and I'm going to dig below my quad and reach in there until I can feel the IT band. And I can usually, I kind of dig below it and pull up on it like you would on a, like a, a big string on like an upright base or something, you kind of pull on it a little bit and you'll feel that it will hurt a little bit. So once you get a little bit of pain, you back off just a little bit and you hold it there and hold it there for like, before you, if you're just doing this, it could take a minute or two and you'll, you'll be in there and you'll feel it release. And then you do the same thing and you do it a different part and you go all the way up and down the band until you feel it release everywhere. And it's, life-changing. I do it at red lights. Like uh, mm-hmm. you can't move your leg out and shorten as much, but 
I'm what my masseuse call me is table train is I can get in there and it takes me maybe 10 seconds where I pull up on it. I'm doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And you kind of pull up and you feel just a little teeny bit of pain, not a ton of pain, but you'll feel it release and will actually slip underneath your fingers. Yep. And then I'm all good. Yep. And like Chad said about stretching your, your hip flexor and stretching everything up the front when you're doing a quad stretch, this all kind of ties into affecting that issue too, because your IT band ties into the hip, which is all tied into to everything else into your lower back and everything down th- uh, through to your lower leg. Your glutes play a huge part in this too. Yep. So glute medius. Yes. I've said this before, but uh, if you have a lot of IT band problems, a bunch, look into strengthening your glute medius and just Google yep. exercises for that. Do that every day. It, another life-changing thing. Yeah, I went through seven months of PT this year for an overuse injury that was tied into a similar issue. And in the end, what ended up being most effective for me was a huge amount of glute strengthening workouts. Um, I've noticed. (laughs) That's an HR violation. Oh, yeah. It was being recorded. (laughs) Oh, no. That was a joke. That's no way. So hopefully that, oh my God. that gives you some stuff to do, Ian. Um, some, some good Where ideas. I get sued, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we nothing. You said it. Yeah. Carlos, he says, I just completed a half Ironman due to work and family. I don't think I will race anymore this year. And this applies to a lot of people. He says, how should I structure my training in the next six to eight months in order to maintain fitness? A lot of yeah, people are going into cross, but also off season. So Yeah, and this is a big answer, and there's a lot to this, which is why I think we're going to develop something a lot more uh, detailed. Yeah. <clears throat> but the um, short answer is um, it depends what you want out of it. If you're targeting uh, weight loss, you're going to take a different approach than if you're looking to target or maintain your just to maintain your fitness. If you just want to be on the bike so many times a week, but if you're just kind of looking at staying where you are right now, you basically shift into maintenance. And maintenance doesn't take much. I've mentioned this before. Um, I, I everybody over the off season, I try to get them to to do a VO2 workout and a muscle endurance workout, something like over unders. Don't have to be long. He's going to be like 30, 40 minute total workouts with a minimal amount of intervals in them. And then if you have time, a longer, easier aerobic ride. Honestly, you could get away with just the two in terms of, you know, maintaining. And I'm not talking about maintaining a high level of fitness either. Just something that makes you feel like you're not starting from scratch when you come back into it. Um, Otherwise, if you're looking to do a little more work and you have a little more time, just maintain the the low volume scenario. Any one of the plans work where you, you do intervals on Tuesday, Thursday, and then something slightly longer, but still interval oriented on Saturday. Regarding the mentality of an off season, and I'm doing air quotes there, <clears throat> I always like like you said. There's the you can focus on just trying to maintain, or you can use it as a time to to make progress, maybe in a different way. Okay. And I always walk. I like that. I mean, if you, sometimes you mentally just need a total break from it, and I I totally get that. But if you still have motivation or feel like you aren't on the brink of of, of frying yourself mentally. Maybe focus on something else. If you're a triathlete, then maybe focus on the specific aspect of like positioning on the bike or bike skills or work on breathing. Anything that like these small things that end up making the whole of your performance on the bike or your performance on the run or swim or anything else. Try to find those little limiters and it can be fun to focus on something different for a while while still maintaining something with like the low volume plan or something else like yeah, that. And that. That's kind of where we're heading with the training camps where you focus on something that's uh, that limits your performance or, or just a weakness that you feel like addressing. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of, probably for Carlos isn't good, but a lot of triathletes in the off season, they'll pick whatever their limiter is and 
And so they'll put everything else on maintenance mode, and then they'll just focus on that one thing. <laughs> yep. So if I'm bad at swimming, I'm going to try to get at the pool five times a week right. and then run and swim or run and bike maybe once or twice a week. Yeah, yeah. So For it's, each sport. Yeah, it's all about that. And for mountain biker or for road riders, maybe it's a good time to focus on or get onto the dirt and build Great. up some bike skills. For cross-country mountain bikers, maybe it's time that you do what Nate's doing right now and get a full-face helmet and some gnarly body gear and you go hit the lifts <laughs> and do some downhill stuff for a while and build up that side of things. Um, it's Use that time if you can and if you want to. It's a great time to build up and kind of make yourself a more well-rounded athlete in one way or another. So, uh, Will, hi, guys. I'm new to Trainer Road, new to structured training. I ride socially on Friday and Saturday morning. I think that Will's a liar because no cyclist rides socially, <laughs> right? You always have – you're always competitive. No, I've done it. <laughs> I've, it was with a guy – everyone was over 60 years old. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still competitive. Um, we they all were are. on some of the climbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very focused on form and absolutely loving the instructions and the workouts. I'm doing sweet spot base volume or low volume one. And I have two questions about my current experience. One, I'm getting used to the different bar positions. And through these workouts, I'm now starting to feel comfortable and balanced in the arrow position. However, when I am working hard in interval intervals, I find that I want to sit up and back with my hands dangling during the recovery stages for a bit. I tend to grab a drink then and try to use that to maintain a light cadence and power as required. Is this acceptable or should I avoid sitting up during these, these sessions? I've heard you mention that too many riders ignore real world positions and form and miss a huge part of the conditioning as a result. Uh, this makes total sense, but what about in the recovery phases where power drops right off? Um, yeah, I, I do recommend that you, you know, keep this as real world as possible, but even outside when you recover, make it comfortable. Um, we're not talking about, uh, there's, there's, you're not sacrificing anything by recovering well. In fact, you're actually gaining from it. The, the recovery valley sh should feel like recovery. And if that means you're sitting up and grabbing a drink and getting out of the saddle and stretching, maybe even getting off the bike and stretching, that doesn't matter. I mean, to an extent. So do whatever you need to do such that you can reap the most benefit from the intervals. You want to keep them as productive as possible. If that means um, you do something in particular with your recovery valleys, by all means, do it. You don't have to suffer through those as well. I even, um, on the really, really hard VO2 max efforts, when I finish an interval, I might have five seconds where I don't pedal. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'll either be bent over the bike oh, with yeah, like my head and my handlebars. I do. Yeah. Or I'll be sitting up straight with my <laughs> hands like over my head. Yep. Yeah. Uh, with, with like VO2 max stuff, I simply, I force myself to pedal for 30 seconds past the interval just because it kind of aids the whole clearing and replenishment yeah. processes that are going on. But then I almost always, if, if, if I have like at least a two minute gap, I'll spend up, up to a minute of that back pedaling and just reeling from, from the pain and trying to reset. <laughs> Center. Yeah, or like a FTP test too. Oh, yeah. yeah, do you pedal after an FTP test, or are you just cooked? Like after? like a two by eight. Yeah, yeah. Once I get to that valley, same thing. I'll pedal for a minute or two to try to clear off some of the stuff, but then I'll take a minute or two soft back pedaling. Yeah, yeah. It's, or yeah, it gets yeah. And and here's the deal. I I also I feel like in your situation, um, will you may be somewhat more new to this, which. It's also a lot more common to, to feel that you need these position changes and relief when mm -hmm. you're newer. Um, mm -hmm. And one thing that I've found, Chad, that you mentioned, I, I always tell myself, 
just keep pedaling for 30 seconds after yeah. those intervals. And you know what I find is a lot of the time after those 30 seconds, you won't need to I go, pedal. you know what? Actually, I'm okay. And that's, that's why I make myself do it for a certain period of time. Yep. Because if I, if I still need a break after 30 or 60 seconds, I know it's legitimate. It's not me just saying right. that interval hurt like hell. And I really <laughs> want to stop pedaling. Yeah. Rather, I get, I get far enough past it that I can be just a little more objective and say, no, I actually need to rest or no, I can just keep on lifting my knees, letting my feet fall, keeping this real easy. And I still have another minute and a half. I'll be fine. Yeah. I just, feel like i need a blanket and a cold glass of water sometimes <laughs> after an interval i don't know but and blanket i don't know <laughs> i'm confused Nate. <laughs> but it's so it's just it going 30 seconds to to flush things out of the legs but also just to clear my mind and get away from the pain be detached from that yeah. pain that i experienced in that interval for a bit yeah the only sometimes it helps the only thing i don't recommend doing is stopping working completely and backpedaling it's it's no load pedaling but at least you're doing something you're yep. keeping the muscles a little more active the circulation a so little what more. i do yeah, I, I do it all don't the time, do that. frequently. <laughs> That's what you're saying, Chad. I don't. I only do that on the very hardest of intervals. Like yeah, if it's I, like, yes. I use back pedals often. 30 off, I, I did. I go through it. I was doing an endurance workout yesterday. I'm tired, mind you, but yeah. I had little two minute recoveries in between, and toward the end of a you know what was a two hour workout, I was cooked to the point where I needed 30 seconds of back pedal, and it helped me get through that next interval without watching my power slump. Yeah, and we've talked about how to use that strategically a lot on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's Always use sparingly. Use when, essentially, when it's allowing you to continue your workout at a better level. Um, But it takes a while. And in your case, Will, you're newer. So it may take a while to kind of filter out what is something that you absolutely need and what is something that you just want. But, too, with him, so so I think what he's saying is he's in the error position. He's going through an interval. Let's say you go, it's like a 10-minute interval. And then he gets to a rest period. And, like getting on the hoods or sitting up for a second, taking a drink of water. I fully recommend that. Yeah, you don't, Will, you don't have to be in the arrow position for the entire, Mm -hmm. like in the drops or No, when I I put those comments in there about staying arrow and, you know, making it as real world as possible, I I don't mean the whole time. I'm trying to coax people into staying in there during the whole work interval. When it comes to recovery, sit up, stretch out, take a break. Yep. Yeah, exactly. there's not a whole lot of benefit to, to recovering in that position if you're not going to be working there. So Nah, and, and it's just a question of overall workout quality. Will sitting up for a couple minutes and riding tall rather than being in your aero position help you be more productive and, and, and keep your power closer to its target, keep you from, from dropping the workout intensity, keep you from taking intermittent yeah. back pedals? Probably will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His second question, I'm working on developing smooth, stable, and pretty pedaling, and my natural cadence on the trainer is about 80 to 85 RPM, which is low, um, or on the low side of normal. It's on the low side. It's not yeah. terrible, no. I find, that, I find that easy to maintain for low power in my smallest chain ring and largest cog. Then when I have to ramp up, I tend to select the next three or four gears, and that's just fine to get power, resistance, and cadence to a sweet spot. And he's not talking about sweet spot intervals, uh, to be clear. Uh, The problem I find is that when I'm out on the road, my gearing is such that I simply can't usually spin like this, especially when it's so important on grades and climbing. I tend to get an average cadence of uh, on trainer road of around 94, and on a real ride, it's about 74. Our area is very hilly, and it's true I have, and he says in quotes, big gears. I'm not going to change the chain rings, but when I next change the rear corset, I'll probably go with something with a little more teeth or with a little bigger cog. 
currently I have a 5339 crank set with an 1125 cassette. And that is definitely, yeah, that's, that's... Big boy gears. Yep, big boy. And and also, when we say big boy, don't aspire to it's be like a big boy. F- I see flatland gears. <laughs> that's yeah. flatland gears. That's that's old school gearing, where they yes. where 25 was kind of where it used to top out. Yep. Uh, and you say, I think I'll go for a 1227 or 1128 might serve me better. I'd even look at going up to a 32. You can yep, do that. I just put an 1132 on my bike, which turns out I need a longer or a different derailleur to, to accommodate it. So I won't be able to use it just yet. But I've long since gone with the 1128. It's yep. it's my, my cluster of choice. It covers everything I need. There are climbs where I would like to have a spinnier gear. So yep. that's hence, hence the 32 that I haven't been able to use just yet. But that 28 may not seem like a big change over a 25, but it is massive. Huge. It makes a huge difference. And the, yeah, yeah, it really does make a difference. So you say, so do you have any guidance on this for ensuring that my training is well matched to, the, to what I have to go out and do on the road? There seems to be a disparity between the two, and I wonder if I'm learning good technique on the trainer and then not being able to, apl- able to apply it on the yeah. road. Um, I want to jump in here first. Two yeah. things. One, you, your outside came some 74. That could include zeros. So you want to look at like, but you might, so this is just in general, if people are looking at their average cadence outside, it's going to be much lower Post than ride. inside if, on a trainer. If he's but, looking at it, I have a feeling he's looking at it real time. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, I'm, I'm just saying in general, oh, if yeah. someone's going to look at it. But if you're looking on a climb and on that climb, you're 74, then that's definitely low. And I would say instead of changing your entire, entire um, training to be like, I'm going to, to have my training so I can ride at 74 RPM. Just go get a 1128. Yeah. And because you can get a relatively inexpensive one. Most derailers handle 1128. Yep. And then you'll be fine. And and to be clear, too, on your Garmin, if that's what you're using, or similar cycling computer, whatever it is, in most cases, you can check an option to see if you want to have zeros Everybody factored zeros, into yeah. your cadence or not. Um, if you want it to be a non-zero average or if you want it to be a zero uh, average there. So well, if I can get one thing across here is that the, the cadence re- the cadence ranges that I recommend on the text and in the little workout descriptions, they're goals and they suit most people. And when it comes to new riders, um, a quicker cadence is almost always better than a slower one. It might be a little less efficient because you're, you're kind of learning to control this quicker spin. So it might be you know, a bit of a process there, which is why I, I recommend taking it <clears throat> slowly. But... Uh, they, they are recommendations and, and more experienced riders and the more miles you log and the more training you do, you might gravitate towards something that's outside of those ranges. And that's totally okay if it works for you. But commonly, those quicker spins are a little less abusive on the muscles. They make for just longer, more enjoyable riding, less muscular stress, uh, less sugar usage and less need to take in sugar, et cetera. So there is a reason behind it, but they're not hard, fast rules. The recommendations work toward them. You'll probably find they work for you, but if they don't, don't sweat it. The worst feeling is when you go to reach for another gear. Oh, and it's not yeah. there. That happened last That's... night. So some of the climbs at North Star, again, it's a downhill course. So you go up a downhill course, and it's... They get steep, I'm, I'm like at um, one of the sections, I was at 380 watts, mm. and I'm like, I'm less than probably 80 RPM, and I'm like, click. There's no clicking. Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm get Sometimes eagle. you have to muscle a big yeah. gear. There's there's no way around it. So yeah. training that way sometimes, there's no no problem with that, especially if you know you're going to have to apply it outdoors. Yeah. I'm, I'm also going to buy the 11, no, 1 by 12. The SRAM Eagle. Eagle. Yeah. It's got so a like, 50. That's, that's a, the yeah. biggest cog in the rear. massive. That's it's a chain awesome. ring. It's so cool. It's huge. I know. I, exactly. But I mean, it's... Oh, I'll take it. Yeah. And especially we talked about this earlier in the office. For one of my um, TSS fillers, I can go out and do a. You can't really fly mount, 
all the mountain biking courses here are hilly. So I could ride mm-hmm. one of the courses here, stay in my aerobic zone with a 50. Yep. And then practice the downhill and get some technique there yep. rather than being dictated by the yes. course where it's like, okay, here, Nate, you're going at threshold for five minutes if you like it or not, or, or walk your bike. Yeah, we work with junior cyclists, and we have to tell them all the time when they have recovery days. Uh, we work with them here, uh, junior cycling team. When they have recovery days, we have to tell them, you cannot go ride on the trails. Recovery mm-hmm. days don't exist out there because kids' bikes are even more limited in gearing, and they're out there. You know, it's like a recovery run for a non-runner. Right? There's no recovery when you're, yeah. unless yeah. you're an experienced <laughs> exactly. runner. Exactly. Yeah, so hopefully, Will, that gives you some good info. It sounds like you're just kind of uh, getting your feet wet into the structured training side of things, which is pretty cool, so... Um, good to have you and good luck with it. Um, that'll cover it for this week. And once again, you can submit questions to us at trainerroad.com slash podcast. And you can see what the latest podcast is on there or on any social channels, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, everywhere else. You can find us on there. You can use the hashtag ask trainer road or just send us a snap. And we could be, we answer a lot of those just right back with video right there. We'll answer you, um, on the spot, but We love answering your questions. Keep sending them in, and we will catch you next time. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.